0: Hi, it's Monty here for this episode of On Farm, the Food, Agriculture and Rural Matters podcast. It's an unfortunate fact. Most of us in farming know someone who's been in an argument or a dispute, whether between relatives over an inheritance or in a business relationship. These things happen and we're all probably far too familiar with this sort of thing I'm talking about. If you're in that position or you know someone who is, you may not realise that you can call on the services of professional mediators. The chat in this pod today is all about mediation and how it can be used to sort out disputes and, importantly, avoid disputes. We've two guests on this one one from the legal profession and one representing Scottish Rural Support Service, RSABI. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and then we'll get straight into the chat.
1: My name's Fiona Cameron, I'm a partner in Gillespie MacAndrew, which is a, a law firm based in Edinburgh, Glasgow and Perth. I head up the dispute resolution team there and as part of my role I'm very often involved in mediations, particularly for uh, some of our land and rural business clients. I think it's worthwhile mentioning at the outset that there is no set definition of mediation either in, in fact or in law. And I have to say that I actually think that that's one of the really nice things about it um, because it means that it can take different shapes and different sizes and different forms and different formats to suit any particular client or to suit any particular dispute.
0: Thanks, Fiona. And Gordon, do you want to say hi and tell us about your um, role in mediation?
2: Hello, Monty. I'm Gordon Davis and I work as an independent mediator and most of my clients are... Fed to me through the courts in Edinburgh or Glasgow, through R.S.A.B.I., where there's a lot of farming work, of course, and also through from independent clients. The range of mediation, as Fiona says, is huge. It can range from an informal misunderstanding between two people, right through to a formal disagreement where people are threatening to go to court. And then I see then if the case is referred to me from the court, I try to come to some sort of amicable settlement by which the two parties can move forward without formal litigation.
0: Would you like to tell our listeners your connection to the On Farm podcast? Oh yeah, well perhaps I should come clean at the start.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> Anna Davis is my daughter and it is she who, with you Monty, set up On Farm well, two or three years ago now, it must be. So yeah. it is she who asked me if I would come along and uh, try and help on this mediation subject today
0: and and just um so that we would avoid the actual need for mediation um i've been asked to um, host this episode rather than anna so there we go (laughs) so we've we've kind of set the scene and 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 what we hear is that mediation could take many forms but it's about bringing parties together to resolve a dispute or a conflict or or trying to resolve things before it might get Get that far, Gordon. I was interested in 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 what you said because through your role with RSABI, you can help people under the banner of RSABI without them even having to go to seek help from a solicitor. Um, legal advice is that is that a good summary of the? Yes, yes, that's absolutely
2: right. I mean, it doesn't have to be a, f- a formal dispute that's going on. It could simply be a difference of opinion between two people a misunderstanding of how the farm should be working, perhaps just hurt feelings on somebody's part, which are preventing the the, the farm or the farmers or the whole business to move forward. And my role is to try and identify not just what people's perceptions are of their difference of opinion, but what the actual issue is, which is dividing them. And by bringing those two people together, very often we can sit down and actually work out what the key issues are Perhaps resolve what's what's antagonising or upsetting both of them, and agree an action plan for the future.
0: That comes through RSABI essentially. So, if someone were to contact RSABI with in these instances, it's often a, a sort of cry for for help. The, the the there's we've got big problems, and it's affecting our I don't know mental health, or you know we 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 we're really struggling um, for income or whatever, but. As, as a point of help, RSABI are able to, to, offer, to offer your services.
2: Yes, the, the usual route is that somebody will contact RSABI, uh, the, the welfare team there, and um, if they identify that there is some sort of disagreement or conflict taking place, maybe just within the family, then they often ask them to contact me and then we can see how we can move forward. Usually, perhaps the single most common issue amongst the farming community is that of um, families, different generations within a family, not being able to agree on succession or diversification or even quite simple things about um, who should be living in which house on the farm.
0: So your approach then is to, what's it, bring the parties together round the kitchen table, as it were?
2: Yes, very much so. I usually visit them and speak to each party separately to see what their issues are and then hopefully bring them together around the kitchen table to see what we can do to help and how we can resolve any, any conflicts of interest. And usually we do manage to make progress. I mean, the, the general success rate for mediation is about 80%. So four out of five cases usually manage to get some sort of resolution. And it doesn't have to happen in one day. Very often I find people uh, approaching me after three or four weeks and we sit down again and, and see what the issues are and whether any progress has been made. And I should mention, perhaps, that very often people can reach an agreement, but it might be subject to them talking to their their accountant, if it's a financial matter, or talking to their legal representative if they if they feel they need legal advice before they can actually sign up to what we agree. So it's all very fluid. Um, We it's it's not a hurried process. We take lots of time, but the outcome, hopefully, is that we can reduce the stress levels of the individuals so that they actually at least talk to one another, even if we can't always agree exactly what's going to happen.
0: Fiona, it sounds as though one of the key things to this, whether it's through contact with our SABI welfare team or or directly to to a firm like Gillespie McAndrew, whatever, one of the key aspects of this is to to get people talking. Is that fair to say?
1: I I would agree with that, but I think it's to also focus what they're talking about. I absolutely agree with everything that Gordon has said. I think the the magic that the Gordons of the world can add is that they are outside the goldfish bowl. (laughs) And sometimes uh, that independence, that remoteness can transform what people are talking about. Um, Because Gordon's skill will be in, of course, giving everybody an opportunity to explain the history and why they're hurting and all the rest of it, but then critically to focus on how they're going to sort it out and so to, to sort of pivot the conversation more towards solutions rather than being stuck in the past.
0: But again, you know, getting people talking when there's loggerheads, there must be situations where people just pretty much refuse to talk, refuse to speak for whatever reason, that's it, I've said my piece and I'm, I'm not taking this any further?
1: Very frequently, actually, especially in farming situations because very often they're related. That means that quite often it's been going on for a very long time, in some cases, decades. And so understandably, sometimes parties just reach a point where they, you know, they've said their bit, they've come to their position and to their mind, there's nothing more to say. And so, again, that comes back to the skill and the value that a mediator or a a lawyer with mediating skills can come in and just try and shift the narrative. Of course, how the parties have got to that point is relevant, but what's more important is how to move them forward from there. And so Gordon and I would use our skill to try and tease out you know, how do we get past that locker head? How do we break down that wall? How do we start talking about what the future looks like? Because fundamentally, in so many of these cases, all that anybody wants is to be able to move on.
2: Yes, you're right. The emotional side can be very strong too. Sometimes I meet somebody who's going through something really intense and my solution very often is to jump in there with them, actually, so that I can actually appreciate the intensity of their emotions and what they're going through in terms of how they've been feeling, maybe, as you say, for months or years, and just try to see it from their perspective, of, while, of course, also being impartial. But it's, this emotional intensity is something which we see so often, and it's, it's very difficult sometimes to diffuse that in order to make real progress.
0: What do you mean by that, Gordon? Give us a, a, a bit of a flavour for what you actually mean by, you know, getting in there with them in terms of their emotional state or intensity. Sometimes it could be
2: a father and son, for example, where the son may be feeling that he's doing all the work on the farm and not getting due rewards, and hasn't been able to confront his his father in order to try and resolve things. He's just been bottling up all his feelings about it, Without having any sort of release, and what I can try and do is actually sit down with that person and and tease out why he 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 or she is not able to talk within the family, and try and find some common ground so that so that we can then address the issues with both the parent and the and the son.
0: And is it often the case that if someone comes to you um, or through RSEBI, come you know you're you're, you're brought on board. Is it often the case that there's, you know, there's one party has reached out and it is difficult to bring the other party to the table?
2: Yes, it is. Um, That's very true, very often. But in order to have a proper mediation, both parties must agree to take part. So very often the first hurdle is to get the other party to agree in principle that they are willing to sit down, round that kitchen table to start talking. It can it can be tricky, but um, if we can get both people in, in the same room at the same time, that's
0: the, that's a good start. It's quite heroic what you guys are doing, really, because we, we, we know, we hear, we see, and we some of us, unfortunately, are very familiar with the, the issues um, caused by mental health problems in agriculture and by breakdowns in relationships amongst families, etc., And, you know, what you're doing is trying to reach out and and help people to avoid the problem becoming so big that it's overwhelming in terms of mental health, etc.
2: Yes, when, when relationships break down, it's very easy to think the worst of the other person. But at the end of the day, I think we all have a sense of fair play. If we can actually get through some of these initial barriers to convince both parties that we are reasonable people we want to make a sensible solution to their issues and it's going to improve life in the future which is so important forget the financial bit or the legal bit actually the quality of life
0: will be better if we can agree something between those those people who are in conflict what are the sticking points you know I'm not you don't need to look at individual examples or cases Fiona but I'm going to sort of guess is it we talked Someone Gordon referenced succession, but you know, is it is it finance, is it succession, is it what what do you see as being the, the big flare points?
1: Um I will answer that question, but just before I do, I'll just pick up on an earlier point that you made, Monty, if went, if I may, which yeah, is that I don't fine, know about fine. Gordon, but I uh, <laughs> I certainly don't think of myself as heroic. But for me, something that's really poignant about farming disputes and farming mediations is that they are so much deeper and bigger than some commercial disputes, which are so often just about money. It's about businesses which have been in families for decades. As Gordon said earlier, it's about where people live, where their children are brought up, where they go to school. It can be about whether the family are going to speak to one another. Is dad going to walk daughter down the aisle it's about well-being it's about so much more than money so often you see that at the end of a successful mediation the relief that you see from these clients you appreciate how big it is when you can help them fix it
0: I guess what I would like to get from this podcast is a signposting that there's there's help out there there's there's mediation out there and and we've got two experts here who would be all too willing to help but also to give a kind of again a signpost if you like to what the flare points may be so that people can maybe just avoid getting as far down the road as even needing mediation so what are we seeing what's what brings people into conflict i i mean i i could guess and we've talked about succession but what else is there there are there are so many things i mean it can just be a, the, the question of
2: occupation of a cottage on the farm sometimes the one of the family moves out of the farmhouse to the cottage and then starts a family and the cottage is becoming too small but the parents refuse to move out of the farmhouse even though they may be wanting to retire and so it's important to get the Again, the perception of each of those two parties as to what the real issue is. From the younger generation, the issue might be our house isn't big enough and, and the parents are rattling around in a big farmhouse. The issue from the parents might be they don't think the son or the daughter is capable of taking over the farm and therefore they're hanging on in order to keep control. So it's really important, to, again, to tease out what the real issue is and see if we can get
0: agreement between them. I, I tell you what, teasing that one out, because, you know, I, I hear that. that's a That's a sort of... A long-standing kind of thing about who lives in the house and who lives in the cottage etc you hear that all the time and I, I just do you think that that is always necessarily the the real the real flare point or do you think that 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 is um that's a metaphor for for power isn't it it's it's more about it's about responsibility yeah, it's
2: about the it's about the younger generation being allowed to, t- to take full responsibility for the for the farm, not just for what happens on the farm, but for the financial management, for the legal arrangement uh, in, in the event of the one of one or both of the parents dying. I mean, it, having all this sewn up is so important for the younger generation, who then may have a, a children following on behind them. They would like to get things sorted, but very often. The older generation say, "Well, I'm going to live forever.
0: This is—we'll just carry on as we are, full stop." And quite often, that's it, kind of encapsulated in who lives in the farmhouse, who's seen to have control. Am I, or am I reading in too much into that?
2: No, you're absolutely right. It is a, a perception of—you um, used the word power—I think power and responsibility. And when when does it pass over? When should it pass over to the next generation? And I'm sure Fiona finds a lot of cases dealing with these sorts of issues of of the legal arrangements for succession.
1: Absolutely. And I, I have to say, in my experience, it's a problem not only horizontally, but vertically as well. So generational disputes, absolutely. But I've also seen disputes amongst siblings, because they want to take a particular farming business in a in a different direction to their brothers and sisters, and equally between different parts of families. So I've had siblings fall out with cousins, and I, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Monty. It doesn't matter if it's to do with subsidy or succession or property or crop rotation or 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 or. I think very often a big bit of it is fueled by perceptions of who gets what at the end of the day in control terms uh, in money terms and in ego terms
2: another another very closely related issue to that is farm diversification where the younger generation tend to be more astute at spotting opportunities for diversification, but of course it in, it entails a great deal of investment in capital. Very often, and the more traditional farmer may think, no, "No, not for us. We'll just carry on milking the cows." You know, we we're not prepared to look so far into the future uh, because of the money involved. You know, it could be you could be talking hundreds of thousands of pounds of investment to make a a change to put the farm in in a different direction, which may, in the long term,
0: benefit them all. It sounds to me by what you're both saying is, and again, coming back almost to the the house and the cottage, etc., as a metaphor, it's really about space to let people have their, if you want to put it as power, or someone said ego, or, you know, those are maybe, maybe slightly negative words, but it's actually about space to allow people who are... I guess passionate about the farm, passionate about the farming business, is about space to allow them to do what they would like to do. It is, that's
2: very true. The question then is, when do I think I need some help from somebody outside the farm? Absolutely. When do I go to to my accountant, to my lawyer, or to R S A B I for help? What triggers that move to actually say, we can't manage this ourselves, we really do need help from somewhere.
1: And on that, I I would say in my experience, um, because I'm legal, I tend to be a a matter of last resort. Understandably, people don't instruct lawyers lightly. And so I I see parties at their very worst. And when they've let things fester for too long, and when they're more ingrained than ever. (laughs) May I
0: kind of interrupt, Fiona, and almost contradict you there? Because I wonder if the problem is that both of you are seen as being a last resort. So, you know, as you say, the last resort is to lawyer up, as it were. So the last resort is to come to you. But also, the last resort is to go to RSABI because you're at the end of your tether. So... I think what we're seeing here is that these issues become something that that simmers and boils and and then erupts. And and someone needs help personally, probably, and goes to RSABI. Someone feels that they're at the the last straw and they need to crack the whip and they need to get the lawyer on board. And I'm all about, you know, making people who are listening to this aware that you guys are there for when things like that occur but really you know we need to also try and make people aware that there are flashpoints there are touchpoints and, and maybe getting mediation involved earlier so that it's not so ingrained so that the problem isn't so fierce and the flames aren't so hot and the, the space is potentially much more easily found is that too much to hope for no, that, I think that's right. It's a question of
2: at what point can I feel I can share my problem with somebody else? Yeah. And I think that's where that's where RSABI has has done such good work in that it, it, it reaches out to people and says, if you've got an issue, financial, emotional, mental, mental health issue, just come to us in RSABI and we'll try and s- sort your problem. And more often than not, they have got somebody within the team who can help them whether it's pointing them in my direction to mediation or, or somewhere else. But um, it's just important to make that phone call, I think.
1: I would say in that, in that context, there's no such thing as too early. Sometimes I think people feel like it has to get really bad before they do something. And actually, the earlier the better would be my view. Just on your earlier point, though, Monty, in terms of the, you know, what the flashpoints might be, as a, as a disputes lawyer, it sort of sounds counterintuitive, but I dream of a world where there's no work for us at all because everybody's avoided the disputes happening in the first place. And so from a legal perspective, that's about farming families and farming businesses, looking around them and realising that, unfortunately, disputes do happen and being organised between themselves to make sure that uh, expectations are managed, legal advice is sought, tax advice is sought, everybody's on the same page in terms of, you know, where things are going. By forward planning and front loading in that way, all being well, you would never ever need to find yourself in a mediation. And mediators can actually help with that and dispute resolution lawyers can help with that because we know the questions to ask. We've got the war stories. We've been there. We've seen it. We've done it. We've got the T-shirt. And so we can help clients, uh, you know, think about things that might trip them up in future at a time that everybody's calm and getting on. I think the difficulty and the challenge that I have in achieving this dream is is that when everything's hunky-dory, People are understandably very anxious just to get on with get on with the, the day job, as it were, rather than traipse off down to their lawyers, you know, to chat things through. But the, uh, the, the power of dispute avoidance is huge. And I think it's only once you've been through litigation or a really tricky mediation that you realise that.
2: You're absolutely right, Fiona. The only thing I would add, and I, we, I should have said this at the beginning, is that if you do go to mediation or come to speak to Fiona the conversations are entirely confidential. Nothing is disclosed outside the mediation unless the the parties involved agree to to sharing some of the information outside. So you can come to um, RSAPI or or Fiona um, knowing that whatever you discuss is entirely confidential between you and and her or me.
0: Yeah. Fiona, just following up on what you're saying, you know, you must also sit there sometimes and look at other things happening within your firm your colleagues dealing with uh, family farms and businesses that are more i hate to use the word switched on it sounds like i'm being derogatory about the others but you know the, the ones who are coming to seek advice put plans succession whatever it might be in place long before there's ever potential for a problem that must that must gladden you but i guess sometimes you must also feel like oh my goodness why can't more people be like that
1: Oh, absolutely. A lot of the work that we do in the disputes team is dispute avoidance. And so when I say that, what I mean is, is we feed into the tax team who are helping the the switched on entities um, with their tax planning or we're helping the the land and rural business team on the diversification project or, you know, they're plans to purchase or sell or um, if there's a contract farming agreement or if somebody's getting moved out of cottage or whatever it might be. Um, if there's a turbine going in, we work with the energy team. Do you know, We can work together and dovetail so that we can offer the <laughs> the war stories, as I say, to try and future-proof and prevent any problems arising. But we can only add that value and add that experience if the client's in the door in the first place so it's about taking that first step and i think essentially what it comes down to is, is do you take that first step when you don't have a problem and you just want to be organized or do you take that first step when things have gone really really wrong <laughs> we're there and gordon will be there in either event it's just that um naturally when you're trying to pick through a dispute, it takes on a whole different element than when in the other circumstance everybody's coming to the table all on the same page and with a a nice, shiny plan for what the future looks like.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mediation for me and and specifically what a lawyer can do for a client in a mediation, it's not an all-or-nothing game. I can break it down into blocks and work with the client on what blocks it is that they want my input on to suit them and to suit the dispute.
0: That's really interesting. So, you know, that that opens up the sort of pathway, the gateway to, for example, Gordon is involved in a mediation role within a dispute family or otherwise. Bringing the lawyer on board needn't be kind of pushing Gordon out the door or starting from scratch again or whatever. It could just be about we need a little bit more advice about what the next steps might be or about reaching a legal agreement about what we've already talked about in mediation.
1: Exactly, exactly. I think sometimes lawyers aren't used because we're perceived to be too expensive because the expectation is we would be involved from beginning to end. And of course, it is nice. Um, You know, I like working with clients on the whole of a project, but not if it's not what they want or not if it's not what they can afford. So the the cases that I find really, really sad for the clients are when they've tried mediation, it hasn't worked, and they come to me and say, we want, you know, now you need to fix it. And I Mm -hmm. have to say to them, well, I'm really sorry. I don't think you have a court remedy or I think you do have a court remedy, but you're going to lose. Or I think you need to give mediation another go, but try try and do this rather than this. Because they're just immediately deflated. They've already tried and failed to sort it out. And then it's just me giving them more bad news, or at least that's how it feels to Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Whereas if clients in that situation had come to me right at the beginning, so that I could have told them right at the beginning these are the things to think about when you go into mediation and if it doesn't work this is what your world might look like. It can change the whole way that it might be sorted out and fundamentally clients don't really care what the loss is they just want to know how to fix it. As I say we can help them understand how to fix it um, in different ways.
2: At the end of the day the main objective is to reduce anxiety and stress and yeah. by if you can ag- ag- reach an agreement on doing something differently for the future, people feel, well, that's a real burden off my shoulders. My stress level has gone down. I'm no longer anxious and I am have a better relationship with the family member or the horse
0: purchaser or whoever. Taking a little bit of the burden off, off, off both of your shoulders, would I be wrong in saying that perhaps one way to, to approach these things or to avoid disputes coming up is just to goes back to the old message of keep talking. So perhaps, you know, the first step is to talk things through or even say, okay, if we could sit in a room together, but I'm going to ask Uncle Johnny or the neighbour or whatever to sit with us because, you know, you respect them, I respect them, and they might just be able to help us to, to come to some sort of agreement before we get to the stage of the crisis point is or am i am i am I wrong in saying that is am i am i you know going back to the using the hero word there am i am i wrong in suspecting that you know potentially anyone could be a hero in this situation if they just to help two parties to come together and agree something yeah
2: you're right i mean sometimes a, na- a good neighbor can be a good person to sit in and just sort of again take the stress out of it and and try and see the the rationale of what these two people in dispute are trying to achieve?
1: Sometimes, too, these things can take time. So absolutely keep talking to one another, with or without a a third party, whoever that may be. But also just recognise that it's okay for it to to be and feel like a formal or informal process. So very often I'll be speaking to, to clients or parties whose position or views or opinions or desires change as they have time to think about it and reflect on it and have the benefit of advice and get a better understanding of what a mediation process might involve etc etc it's just the the point of getting to a discussion with a mediator can in itself be quite cathartic and can in itself lay the the foundations for solutions it's not always the case it can sometimes be but it's not always the case that on day one a party or a client comes to you and on day two you appoint your mediator and sort it the time in between can sometimes be the the most important
2: yeah absolutely yes one of the questions I like to ask is um, of one party, how do you think you can reduce the anxiety of the other party? And it does make people think about what they can do themselves to help the situation. You know, they might think, yes, I, perhaps I have been a bit rude or cruel to that person. Is there something I can do to make them feel less stressed? And sometimes that opens the door to then the, all these other discussions that we've been talking about.
1: And going back to, to Gordon's earlier comment as well, that for somebody outside of the family goldfish bowl or the business goldfish bowl to say, this is how that person's feeling. This is where they're coming from. This is what they want and why. And if appropriate, this is in my view of the strength of their argument. And just hearing it in that way from somebody else can sometimes be very powerful too. Because until that point, it's just been, you know, Heads getting banged.
0: (laughs) That's so true, Fiona. So as we kind of wrap this podcast up, I'm going to surmise this by saying we're not only hoping that our listeners can recognise that the benefits of mediation can perhaps take steps or hopefully take steps to avoid the need for mediation, but we're also looking at people and encouraging them to maybe, it's not be a nosy neighbour or an interfering busybody being negative but it's about looking out for people isn't it it's about just maybe saying maybe i could just help here maybe i could you know if you want to formalize it maybe i could take on the role of being a mediator at least to start with at least to help the initial stages before the touch paper is lit or or to avoid the touch paper being lit that's if, if we could if we could give our listeners a message you know that would be it you can play lots of roles in mediation
1: I couldn't agree more Monty it's in my uh, professional role the thing I do a lot of is formal mediation but actually the thing that I find so compelling about it on a personal level is that the skills and the ethos behind mediation are things that we should all just be doing and using to be um, better human beings I know that sounds quite deep and quite cheesy, but it's true. It's about respectful dialogue. It's about trying to avoid conflict. It's about um, trying to find common purpose. And these things, of course, relate to disputes in the sharp end of the, uh, you know, uh, uh, in, in a sort of dispute resolution way. But it can also just relate to how you speak to your husband or your wife when you go home or how you choose to bring your kids up or um, how you speak to a stranger in a restaurant or how politicians <laughs> communicate with one another. And, yeah. and so it goes on. I mean, it, it's, for me, it's about so much more than just a, a day when you might be sorting out a problem it has such a wider application and a more powerful application and um, that's something that we can all seek to learn from and um, do our bit uh, in relation to a a more peaceful society.
2: Yes you're absolutely right. One more point I would perhaps make is that there's been so much um, discussion recently about mental health and I think engaging in a mediation process can very often really make a difference to somebody's mental health and lift that burden off their shoulders so they do actually feel better the next day
0: guys i love that thank you very much we did get a bit deep at the end there but i think um i think that's what the subject's about it's about human emotion as well isn't it and one thought from me i don't want the last word as it were but one thought from me young farmers I always stand by the fact that you know being able to do this podcast etc one of the 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 things that I hark back to in my early days in young farmers was that we were trained in speech making the speech making thing was you know you stood up there and you gave your viewpoint in a very strident way quite often the format was that then someone would oppose that view and they would stand up there and they would give their opposing view and you would have two very strong powerful arguments that's how we were trained two very strong powerful arguments perhaps the most important person in that in that um team was the person that sat in the middle who was chairing that discussion maybe we should look more at that and award more points for that in young farmers if any of you are listening we should maybe try and steer the speech making format more towards mediation but anyway with that all that's left for me to say is thank you very much to our two guests, Gordon and Fiona. That's been excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you very Pleasure. much for having us.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Well, I hope that was a useful discussion. It's never too soon to start to sort things out. And that was one key takeaway that I took from our chats. This episode was produced in partnership with our friends at Scottish law firm Gillespie MacAndrew, And Gordon Davis, of course, was speaking from RSABI. Before I finish, our usual reminder on farm podcasts like this one are made by our team here at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. Get in touch with us anytime. You might even find us wandering around at the forthcoming Highland Show. So, with that, that's it from me, and bye for now.